Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. If you guys could please give it up for none other than John Berardi. Thank you, everyone. I gotta tell you, I do feel like a little bit like I'm getting interrogated. Oh, trauma's coming you, back up, yeah. Me. The lights are bright, so. So, where I wanted to, to, to start with, because I really thought about, okay, what, what are some conversations that I- It's too far back. It's too far back, but you allow your way, my friend. Um, what, what conversations I'd love to have that would be really beneficial, and I, I saw like a lot of the surveys from where everyone's at, Mm -hmm. And so you ask for questions they might want to ask. Qu yeah. Questions that they might want to ask and where everybody's at as far as just starting an industry uh, or being in an industry um, for quite a while. So there's, it's like about kind of half and half, just getting going in the first couple years. Mm -hmm. uh, many people here have been in the industry for 7, 8, 10, 15 years. And we're kind of like in this space where things have changed a lot in the last five years. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, even if, if I look at it, the things that you... You know, even five years you couldn't do, uh, five years from, from since today you couldn't do because from social media to doing online coaching to all these things online that are now available. So the space is interesting. And my question to you is, you know, based on like the lens of the book that you wrote, Changemaker, how do you, do you see this for somebody that's just starting? And you know this landscape is kind of like where do I go from here? How do I succeed in this in this industry? But then also for somebody that's been in there for a while, maybe frustrated and is a little bit burnt out, and like times are changing, you know, from that same lens, maybe what is some advice or how you see things mm -hmm. of where where it's going and what you would advise? Yeah. Well, I, like I'd like to start with this idea, which is things have changed in the last five years, and obviously you're you're talking about things like you know social and all the different opportunities and all that. That's all good. I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunities now that just didn't exist when, when I got started. I mean, think about it. We, when we started the early version of Precision Nutrition, like no one had a website even. Actually, my business partner approached me at an event, a, a speaking event, and that, that was your reach. If you ever wanted to have scaled reach, you had to do you, that. You, yeah, you go to this, <laughs> right? Like I would have to speak in front of 200 people or whatever. And, uh, and he was like, you know what? I, You've got a great message. We got to get this out. Let's build you a website. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a visionary. So I was like, uh, that'll never work. <laughs> well, at the time, like you, you literally, if you wanted to load a web page, you'd open up a book, you'd read a chapter, and the page would load. Well, so you know, it, it is different in that way. But what I think, there's loads of opportunity, but there's also so many distractions. Like, how do I get good at Instagram or? social media or whatever. And I think what I, what I try and do often is almost like, I think of it as like squinting my eyes so I don't see the details. And so I can look for the principles. Like what pattern is happening here, right? So uh, why would you want to build a good Instagram following? Why would you want to build a good Instagram following? So that I can get positioning, clients, help them transform through coaching, yeah. possibly. Right? Oh. That might be an, one, an option. It's, a, it's awareness. Yeah. You need to make people aware of you. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of ways to do that, mm -hmm. right? So, I, I mean, I, I summarize sort of business as 
Uh, number one, you have to know what people want, right? Like you have to really, really know what people want. And the problem is you can't just ask them. You know, Adam Bornstein talked about this the other day. Um, you have to cleverly circumnavigate the socially acceptable answers that they're prepared to give you to figure out what they really want and be, would be willing to pay for. So that's step one, know what people want. Step two is then you have to deliver something awesome, amazing, you know, like remarkable to them that is in line with that thing. And then finally, you have to tell everyone about it. Like if, if I squint my eyes and look at the industry, you know, and say, all right, there's a lot of distractions here and a lot of details. That's the only way anyone's ever been successful. What do people want? Am I sure? Let me ask them. Let me ask them in a different way. Let me do a couple tests to see if they really want that thing. And then build something awesome, and that's hard too, because you probably aren't prepared individually to build something awesome yet. How do I know what's awesome? You gotta ask some people. You gotta look outside this industry. You gotta look at other industries. What's awesome? What do I like in my life that's awesome? How do I make the equivalent of that in my niche, my space? And then once you made something like that, you ask people, right? Like, you know, I, tell, I talked to you about the book the other day when, you know, when I was doing a draft of the new book, which I'm so excited you guys are all getting. Um, I, gave it, I gave the manuscript to 15 people and I, I put it in a Google Drive document and I asked them to do what I call a think aloud exercise. So it wasn't edit my book, tell me what you think of my book. It was as you're reading it, line by line, I want, me to, I want you to tell me how you feel. Like, here's good feedback in this kind of exercise. Um, hey, that joke was really funny. Or, hey, jettison this joke, it's not funny at all, right? Or, this really resonated with me. I think this is a huge point. Underline it or something. Or, this section sucks. It sounds like a lot of bullshit, JB. I don't think it's what you really meant to say. And so literally, I had 15 people do that. Uh, at the end of that process, there were 1,200 notes that I had to read through, okay? But this is one way of making something awesome. It's not just what I think is good. Phil Caravaggio, who was the co-founder of Precision Nutrition, um, it always has this line that he says all the time, and everyone's sort of at PN, sort of has taken it to heart, but nothing worth doing can be done alone, right? You're not going to find the best ideas. You're not going to make anything awesome by yourself. So you need this group of people around you. They may be team members, they may be colleagues, whatever, who are like auditing your work. And the last part, tell everyone about it. Make sure once you've built that awesome thing, that people need to know about, how are you gonna tell them? And that's where all these things, social media and events and marketing and paid Facebook, that's the tell people about it phase, right? But you have to think about, have I figured out what people want? So, I mean, the opportunities in each are greater than ever, you know what I mean? But the principles are the exact same as they were 10 years ago, as they were 100 years ago. How do you sell things to people? You need something that they want, you need to make sure it's amazing, and then you need to make sure the people who want it know about it. And so it, it, you know, it doesn't matter. Like once upon a time, people sent out flyers in the mail. You know what I mean? Now they send something that lands on the screen on your computer. But it doesn't matter what you choose to do, you have to do the three things we just talked about. It makes sense. It makes sense. And something I recognize as you're bringing this up, do you feel that too many individuals and companies, there's 
this really kind of fast forward process to the first two yep. to get to number three. It's mm -hmm. like, let me tell you about it, but not really refining and getting involvement with people. And it, it could be as simple, because I, I like to kind of give examples of like, hey, if you're just starting and you got four clients, you know, what does that look like? Yeah. Uh, if you have a gym, but you know, you haven't grown to where you want to, what does that look like? Yeah. And refining those first two steps before you, uh, you know, go hardcore on the third one, not to say that, you know, you shouldn't market at all, but yeah. But how, you know, what, what do you feel about that? Like, is, is that something that you see that there's this jump from the first two just to get to the third one and tell everybody about right. my awesomeness? I don't even think people are, are thinking in these terms. I think they're just copying what they see other people doing. Like, oh, you know, Brett Contreras, he's this glute guy. Like, what? I, like, I don't even get why well, he has 300,000 followers or however many he has. 69, he probably has set right now. <laughs> what? Is he here? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I made it. I diminished his Instagram following by accident. But, but seriously though, what is he has 700,000? Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's, uh, pardon my language. What the fuck? How does he have seven? Like, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's talking about how to develop certain muscles of your body. Right. And there's, Okay. So then you see that and you're like, oh, I need to do that, right? Like, I need to do that. He must be crushing it. And so, I mean, this is a critical lesson that I, I had to learn over the years. Number one, you don't know if he's crushing it. Just because he has a lot of followers doesn't mean he's crushing it. I, you know, I fortunately now uh, have met and included people in our team who have like real financial knowledge and, and like they can look at the books of every company in this industry and see who's actually doing well and who's not. And a bunch of the companies you right now in your head think are crushing it are not. They're gonna be gone really soon. And there's companies that you're like, no, they're probably doing okay, that are absolutely crushing it. So, the, so this was just a critical lesson for me is you don't even know. You know, it's, it's the, uh, you know, Facebook is the people's highlight reel, so don't compare yourself to the highlight reel. Same with your business though. It's not just about vacations and like the cool people you hang out with, it's with businesses. Don't compare your business to another business's projected image, you know? So, I don't know, I mean, I, I think it's just so important to really focus in on like correct thinking around this. I think most people are just, they're not even thinking about what, what, what do people want? They're just going, I think people want this, okay, let's do that, you know? So maybe they're rushing through it, but they're not even using that as a step in the process, they're just copying copying what other people are doing, you know, and, and um, that, I, I don't know, that undermines everything I believe in, in terms of how to grow a great career, you know, I, I do some consulting, and, and so a friend of mine who's got a great business was asking me the other day, um, how do I build a great content machine like PN, so for those of you who read our blog, I mean, we've been publishing very, very high quality articles, infographics, animated videos for a really, really long time. And we've had different writers come and go, we've had different editors come and go, but the quality of PN content is pretty reliable, you know? And he's like, how do I build that machine in my business? And I look around his business, I go, there's not a single person here who loves long form written content. You, your co-founder, not a single person on this team does it. So why would you want to do that? Like, and they're really, really good at podcast, so, so you can call it podcasting, but they're good at audio and video content creation. So I'm like, why don't you just double down on that? There's areas where that can be made awesome, where it's not yet. So instead of trying to copy our thing, which will mean building a capability that you don't have and don't even want, it's clear. If your people wanted to do this kind of work, they would. Um, so 
you know, back to your question, it's like, you know, what are they doing? They're copying others. And even brilliant people are just copying others. He's like, oh, I need to copy PN if I want to have lead generation like you guys have. I'm like, no, you don't. You need to find out your unique ability within your value set and your purpose, and then we figure out how to scale that. Now, with, I always try to think about, because, you know, where I am now and, like, where, when I started <clears throat> with the things that you're saying, yeah. there's this kind of, you know, I would say voice in my head that would go, Ah, oh, well, but you know, he's talking about these things that don't, like, that they don't like map to my map reality. to my yeah. world, and yeah. and so it, it kind of like the rocket ship, right? It uses the most of its energy to to kind of for the first ten percent or five yeah. percent of the trip. Like, yeah. Where how do you get that rocket ship off through this process of the three steps? For yeah. some, I mean, literally, like somebody that's like sitting here right now, going, "Man, I just I want to build my online business, and I love you know the thought process, but." How do I actually, in the right, next right. week or two, put this into play? Okay, so I'm going to start in a slightly different place, and okay. if I don't come back to it, bring me back to it, okay? Um, if I don't, you guys don't need to answer that. <laughs> yeah. um, the first thing is, I feel like in our field right now, we're all trying to level up, and I'll say it this way, which sounds kind of crass, but get what we deserve. But I really believe it. Like, we, we deserve to be well paid for doing meaningful work. Do you guys agree? Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, and historically we haven't, and maybe today you're not getting well paid for doing meaningful work. So you're like, I'm changing lives, it feels really warm some days inside my soul to do this, and shit, I'm not sure if I'm going to make rent, you know? And so, <clears throat> for me, you know, what I see the field rushing into then is teaching business to everybody or entrepreneurship. It's a, it's a thing that's glorified in our world right now. Like being an entrepreneur is pretty special. It's the thing, but it wasn't always that way. Like you read stuff from like the 1800s and the merchants were not seen as nobility. You know what I mean? They were the dirty merchants. They were like the guys who would ship goods across the sea. So it's a unique thing to be like entrepreneurs are the freaking best and you should all want to be one. That's a modern invention. Um, and so, but that's the highest level we're at in our field right now. To make money, you've got to start an online business or be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, before we go there, that's probably not for everybody. But there's a way to make a great living in this field nowadays without doing that. So, I mean, that's part of what Changemaker is about. What you guys will see is that let's start with career. Thinking about career first. What lane should you be in, you know? And I tell the story that there's... Since we're here, I'll tell about Microsoft. So there's a woman who used to be a special project manager for Bill Gates. And she was living that lifestyle, which was hardcore work all the time, work's the first priority. She got pregnant, had her son, and then decided she wanted to do some stuff to get in shape and have a little more balance in her life. So she signed up for PN coaching, right? And it was life-changing for her. And then she realized, like, hey, I'm really good at this one thing project management and making the clocks run on time and making sure people get their work done and stuff. Um, but it doesn't meet my value system to work like that. Now it contradicts with my health goals and all that. So she made it her mission to work for PN, right? So she went and got, you know, level one certified, level two certified. We have a mentorship program where like you know, former clients can mentor new clients, right? So they just pay it forward. And we have an internship pro. She did everything. She did all the things right. And she applied for the job like four times, never got it. 
So I was sitting with her in an event, and she was like, by this point in tears, I had a lot of empathy for that situation for her. But I also felt really proud that our process prevented her from being hired because it's not her unique abilities to be a coach. She's a great project manager. She ended up working for uh, another company in our space, a women's health and fitness company, and was special project manager, the founder. And now she's doing her actual unique ability, getting paid well, and doing it in a space that shares her purpose and values. She didn't have to be a coach, is my point, right? But that's where her head goes. When I go into health and fitness, I guess I have to be a coach. And then when you get there, you go, shit, coaches aren't making enough money. I guess I have to have an online training business. Or, you know, so I'm going to sign up for John Goodman's OTA or some other program, right? Um, without ever stopping and going, is this the path, right? I mean, we, ju we just hired a guy who's uh, kind of a health meets technology guy. That's his interest set. And he was working for a big health and fitness company uh, as like a head of product. He's making 700 grand a year working at a health and fitness company. So I'm like, there are all kinds of paths. So before we say, how do you start a successful online coaching business? I think we have to say, like, there are other paths. Let, let's look at them all together. And let's figure out which one's right for you before you just start to think entrepreneurship is, because that's just copying everyone else too. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so with that, for instance, because that whole, uh, I'll say, analogy of, you know, take action to, to figure out your thinking that rather than the other way around, sitting down and going like, well, you know, there's all these options. Maybe I like that one, maybe I like this one, maybe I like that yeah. one. You know, you go and do it in your experiment and you get feedback. Yeah. Is, that, is that what you feel like is it's something? The path. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think there's two things that have to happen. So one thing I want you all to do real quick, like write this down uh, so we don't forget later. But um, so write down book receipts at changemakeracademy.com. So book receipts at changemakeracademy.com. So email that today and just say, I was at the event, whatever. And um, so what we're going to do is send you all the worksheets, thought exercises, and scripts that go along with the book. So you can get started on this now. So the reason why the book was in your bag, and I'm sad and embarrassed about that, is the book doesn't ship until late October. So I was like really pushing the team, like, oh, maybe we can get the first you know, 200 copies out a little bit sooner so we can get them to these folks and we don't have to stick a stupid card in that thing. But we had to anyway. But if you want to get started now, all this stuff's in the book. So we actually walk people through these exercises. So the first step for career is like a values, or sorry, purpose, unique abilities, and values exercise, right? So the purpose exercise, what we do is we pretend you're a superhero. You got this superpower of being in health and fitness. You got this passion for the field, right? That's your, you got bit by the health and fitness spider, okay? And now you're a superhero fitness person, right? What's your origin story? So we figure that out together, okay? Because you got to know, like, why are you doing this in the first place, okay? Then next we work on your purpose, right? So I... I, I used to say things, and maybe some of you do, like, help people. I'm here to help people. That's what I want to do. That's my purpose. But it's not good enough, right? You can help people by being a paramedic or barista and a thousand other jobs, right? People like coffee. Um, so for me, I had to get very specific. And I realized through some experimentation, but through some just self-discovery, asking the people around me, and we ask you what to ask, or we teach you what to ask those people, um, so that you can hone in. And for me, it became 
I like helping clients, but I love helping professionals in the space. You know, in the intro to the book, you'll read my story, but this, this, this industry and a specific person in it saved my life. And so, I don't know why else, you know, but that was enough. And I'm like, I'm here for life. You know, I'm in this field for life and helping professionals is you know, what happened to me. So I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is my purpose. So I want to help a specific kind of person. I want to help professionals in this field. What I want to help them do, I want to help them see themselves differently. I want you to see yourself as someone who should be getting paid for what you're worth, but also your role differently, how you interact with each other and orient to the people that, you're, that are in your care. I want you to see those people differently, and then I want you to see the field differently. And when you can do that, you'll do what I think the field needs next, which is help it grow up. Because it's a little baby field. It's only like 40 years old. You know, I, I have four kids at home. It's like maybe a 12-month-old. That's what the field we're in is. So when we complain about it, we're like, how come it's not mature and all grown up? It'd be the same as like taking your little 12-month-old and go, uh, how come you can't run a Ninja Warrior course, do arithmetic, and uh, write a dissertation? What the hell's wrong with you? All right, I'm out. Gotta leave this industry, it's bullshit, right? You hear it all the time, you see professionals do it. I gotta leave this stupid industry, it's bullshit. No, that's not, it's just a baby industry. And you, you hear that quote, like, if I've seen further, it's only because I've stood on the shoulders of giants. We're the giants that the next generation can stand on, right? Like, when you hear that quote, you think of this, the, you being on the giant's shoulders, but who's the next giant? It's us, right? So that's what I want to do. That's what I'm seriously passionate about. So I know that. And then I have to say, what are my unique abilities? And the unique abilities are the things that you are or have the ability to be world-class at that you actually enjoy doing because I'm good at things that suck, that, that suck for me to do. And then uh, the last is um, the, uh, something that moves the needle. So if you're thinking about business, it would be a thing that helps generate more revenue or, you know, or if it's coaching, it you know, makes more life changes in my clients. So then you do that exercise, and this is my favorite exercise of all time. So you take 10 people, friends, colleagues, confidants, and you ask them a series of questions that we give you. Again, it's in the book receipts at download. And you ask them to just answer these questions and send them to you, and then you circumnavigate like what they're saying about you to figure out what your unique abilities are. You won't be able to figure them out. You just simply won't, right? But people close to you will know them amazingly well. And the story I like to tell here is, you know, one day I walk in the kitchen and we, our, our oldest is nine. And so she's like doing a craft. And she's like, Dad, you want to help me with this craft? And I'm like, yeah, I absolutely do. And then she, I'm like, what are we trying to build? So she tells me and I go, oh, I, you know what? It would be interesting if we tried this and maybe did this instead and then we added this to it. And she pauses and she goes, and this is like an amazing moment for me, right? She goes, Dad, you know what's awesome about you? She goes, I'm always like doing these things and stuff, and then you come in and you just like help make it one better, you know? And I was like, and obviously that feels good as a parent, but it's, and I'm like, that's true. That's what I do in work, at work. It's what I do in relationships. It's what I do when we make a craft with the kids. I'll write that down. That's one of my unique abilities, right? So then you figure out your unique abilities, and the last part is the values part, right? Then you say, like, like the Microsoft person, like she was working in her unique abilities, but not within her values. And values are your guardrails, right? So when you're working in your unique abilities on your purpose, sometimes you work too much, so it helps you avoid that, but also helps you 
go to the places that share your values. You know, Mark talked about it yesterday about sort of how important it is for them at Mark Fisher Fitness to express values, teach values, and hire for value sets. So that's how I think about like beginning all this. So then you do those exercises, and again, this isn't stuff that's out of reach for any of you. I, I give you the questions to fill out, and then I share my answers to those questions so you can see how easy this is. Um, and it's one of my favorite, the unique abilities thing is one of my favorite exercises you can ever do because it's like um, you get the feedback from your 10 friends and you spend the next three days hearing about how awesome you are. You know? Like literally the people you love the best are telling you paragraph form how amazing you are. And even if you don't discover your unique abilities from that, you'll feel pretty good for a while. You know? <laughs> I was about to say, this what well, Twice a month now I'm doing this unique abilities thing. <laughs> Guys, right. I'm still working on this. That's Keep right. sending me the text messages. Uh, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this tangent, right? So this is a sidebar, but it's completely related, right? Um, so if you work with teams, or heck, even if you work alone, it doesn't matter. We do this at PN every three to six months, um, and it's called the looking back, looking forward exercise. So when I think when you're ambitious or when you're just starting out and you're trying to grow something. Like, the summit always gets higher as you approach it. You know what I mean? And we, we, like, it's also called the moving horizon, right? If you run to try and catch up with the horizon, you never catch it, right? And the peak always gets higher because you keep raising it, right? So you're climbing the mountain and you're close to the peak and you go, this is pretty great, whatever. Now you just set a new, more ambitious goal. So what does your life become? Well, it becomes the never-ending death march to unaccomplishment. It's always filling the gap, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, because you've accomplished something, but you don't even feel it because you set the next lofty, ambitious goal, right? So your whole life is miserable at work or whatever your goal sets around because you're never reaching the peak, even though you have reached many peaks already, right? So we do this thing where we sit down. Everyone hates doing it. Everyone resists it every time. And you write down, over the last three months, what are five things that I'm really, really proud of having accomplished? You write those down. Today, what are the five things that I'm really enthusiastic about working on? And for the next three months, what are the five things I'm most excited about accomplishing? And it seems so simple, but when you do this, life gets markedly better because all your brain is doing all day every day is thinking about the stuff you don't have yet the accomplishments you haven't met yet, or the next pinnacle you're trying to chase. And these five questions, over, you write this down, you go, five? I came up with 15 things that I'm proud of having accomplished. Wait, I'm not a screw up, this is actually working. You know what I mean? So it gives you fuel for the next step of the journey. And I just think, like, especially in entrepreneurship, if that's what you're doing, but even in any job, uh, this isn't done enough. So I just thought about it because we were talking about the unique abilities, feel good stuff, this is, an amazing way to remind yourself of the progress that you're actually making. Because we rarely ever look back down the mountain and go, look how far I've come. We just are looking up there and saying, oh shit, I got so far to go and I'm tired. You know? So anyway, side note, but and so one of my favorite things. One, one thing I'll say, guys, is like, I think this is powerful to do today. Like, you guys got the download links. Um, most of you are traveling. You'll have some time either going back or later on today or tomorrow. Because uh, what tends to happen is there's so much stuff 
you might not go to the link. You might be thinking about so many different things. I, I think this is No, I'm okay if you do that right now. Like, honestly, <laughs> open up your phone and do it. Like, if you forget to do this, I'm really sad for you. Because there's, I mean, I, we're going to send you like uh, 60 worksheets and exercises in order that you should do them to work through these things. And if you uh, lead a staff, you're going to want to do a bunch of them with your staff. But most importantly, you're going to want to do these things in your own life. And so, and there's no strings attached. You just got to let us know where to send it and, and we'll fire them off to you. It, what, the next kind of thing that this brings me to, I was talking yesterday about like the cook and the chef analogy. And you, know, yeah. you, you just said, hey, it's not the best idea to just copy. Um, at the same time, you learn, right? You learn yeah. from people, certain skill sets. Right. And you talk about the T-shaped kind of uh -huh. say model of education. And, because you know we're here and everybody's here to to learn to connect also obviously to be inspired and you know this whole thought process about you know obviously we're, we're like hey you should always be learning true what should you be learning at yeah. what point in time in your career because sometimes you're actually learning things that might be maybe derailing you it's almost like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm running really really hard but my goal is there and I'm running in that direction yeah that might not be the best idea absolutely yes you're working so hard and going nowhere Right. Um, so one of the exercises you're going to get is called the like the T-shaped learning model. So imagine up here there's a T, there's a horizontal bar and it's empty, and a and a vertical bar that's empty as well. So this is going to represent future you, okay? So the professional you want to be one day, okay? And and we all have it. You know, I was talking with some folks yesterday. Like, I'm later in my career than some of you. I've been in this field for a really long time. I still have a future person that I want to be. So I still have that T and it's updated regularly. But along the horizontal bar are all the skills that you'll need to develop that you're not going to need to go really deep into, but you're just going to need to have to become future you. So let's say starting a business or being an entrepreneur is on that. So along there, you're going to need some business skill. You're going to need some hiring skill. You're going to need some management skill. You're going to need some financial skill. You're going to need some coaching skills. Okay. And then the, uh, the vertical bar is the, the area that's deep for you. So if you come from a strength and conditioning background, that will be it. You know, I have a PhD in exercise and nutritional biochemistry. That's my deep area, right? So you make this model, future you is gonna go deep here and broad here, okay? These are the skills I'm going to need to be successful. Now again, are all the best ideas gonna be in your own head? Probably not, that's okay. This is my favorite exercise when I'm about to start something, I go, just remind myself, because I think I'm pretty awesome inside my own head, right? So I'm like, I can figure things out, I'm smart, I have a PhD, I've grown some successful businesses, I got this, right? And then I stop and go, oh wait, are all the best ideas, is the best idea really gonna be in my own head? It's not, so I gotta get feedback, right? So you're gonna need feedback to make the perfect tea for you. So talk to mentors, talk to people a little further along the path, talk to someone next to you here, and figure out what does my tea need to look like to win in this field? Okay, and then you fill that out and that's how you govern your continuing education. You post that shit in your office or wherever you're gonna look every day. I have my unique abilities, my purpose, and my values up on my office and my tea. They're in my office, I look at them every single day because you will forget. You'll wake up tomorrow, shit'll get busy, you'll get inside your head again, and you'll forget all of it, right? So I think what doing these exercises does 
it helps you capture down what you want and need to be, what you're going to focus on, and what your priorities are in a moment of sober clarity. Because you won't have that all day, every day. You know this. When you're scrambling, when you're running, you're like, the best version of me decided how I should spend my day a week ago. Okay? I'm going to consult that guy, not this guy that's going on right now. You know? So you create that T, and that's how you govern continuing education. So you see a really awesome seminar coming up on the neuroanatomy of the you know, flexor muscles of the hand, you know, that'd be super cool. And you look at your T and you go, all right, I'm already pretty deep in you know, muscle, biochemistry, physiology, and anatomy. I need to take that coaching course instead. You know what I mean? So you're not just chasing around the next thing that's faddish or interesting or exciting. You're doing the thing that's going to build future you. It's the fastest path to get there because you might only need six courses to be there. You know what I mean? I love that idea because what it, the, I always say you don't need all the steps. You can't have all the steps. Yeah. There's no way. You just need the next one. That's right. But, but that creates the target to yep. tell you where you're going yep. rather than just like, all right, well, you know, Salas and one So, right? so the, next, the next good question is if I'm at the beginning and I make the T, which course do I do first? So what I do is, again, in the, in the book, and you could just do this on your page, make a, like an NCAA tournament bracket, right? So you have all the things. You, so this works with how to spend your day, how to spend your week, your month, how to spend your continuing education dollars. You make a tournament bracket. You write down all the things along the left margin, and one fights two, three fights four, five fights six, and then you just narrow it down until you have a winner for now, right? And you have to make hard choices. You go, oh, but these two, like these two courses both seem really important. I don't care, you have to pick one. There can be only one, right? And then that's the next one you do, right? And oh, what if I made the wrong choice? All right, then you're, what, a month behind or a weekend behind, then you do the other one that should have won. You know what I mean? But you see how you're really funneling down and making hard choices rather than um, in a moment of clarity. You know, you're sitting, you spent, you booked aside half the day to do this. You're breathing, you're thinking clearly, you're thinking about your future, and that person decides. Not the one who got the ad on Instagram and was like, oh, this looks cool, I got fear of missing out, I, I don't know if I, you know, should miss this thing. You, then you look at the thing and you go, oh, no, no, I, I already chose who won this tournament, you know? But a lot of that comes back down to, like, honestly, personal care because we're so distracted. And we're, you know, you get so pulled in, especially social media, that you have this thing, but now you get emotional and you're like, I gotta go do this, mm -hmm. right? Because the, I, the money's not here right now, because that's a big thing, right? I'm, yep. I'm not making as much as I'd like to yet, and that's why a lot of decisions happen, why people leave the industry. I've heard so many, even this weekend, uh, I actually talked to a number of people, like, man, great coaches, some of the best coaches in our gym left, and they loved it, but it just, they just couldn't make it work. Yep. And, to where now all of a sudden you make these emotional decisions because of that. So like, mm -hmm. what's your thoughts around that? Because I know uh, it, it matters for you as an individual, but it matters as a team. And obviously PN is a huge yeah. team now, but like, how do you guys go about that? So, um, so PN um, has a program called Pro Coach. And uh, you know, I, I'm not trying to sell it. I, I'm, there's a lesson behind what I'm about to say. But what Pro Coach is, it's a software that allows our certified coaches to use our curriculum with their clients and themselves as the coach, okay? And so the way PN makes money off of that is we charge a monthly fee for you to use it and it scales with the number of clients you're using. And um, 
The only way we really make money off of it is if you stay and keep paying that every month. In other words, you have clients to coach on it and those clients are getting great results and you're happy because it's handling this aspect of coaching for you and you just stay. And the longer you stay, the better it is for PN and that implies it's going great for you too. So we're both winning high fives awesome. Okay, now I'm gonna tell another story and then I'm gonna tell you how they connect. So I'm also um, on the advisory board for Equinox, right? And so what happens that anyone work or have worked at Equinox? No, a couple? Okay, cool. So the one thing that Equinox has as a challenge, which most clubs do, is that their turnover is like 120% annually, right? So they lose a lot of coaches, right? Just like you said, okay? And so I, I started digging into the, the Precision Nutrition Pro Coach data, and I was like, what's the best predictor that someone will be here after one year, okay? And then I dug into the Equinox data, what's the best predictor that a coach will be here after one year? And they turned out to be the same thing about five clients. If you are a new pro coach and you get five clients onto pro coach in the first three months, your likelihood of staying is like 500% better. If you're a new Equinox coach and you get five clients within the first few months, your likelihood of being there after a year is way greater. You know, and then some of you who run gyms are like, yeah, that, this, is, this is the answer, right? The thing to keep people in the industry is to get them clients fast. You know, to get them some clients, get them some reps, get them some practice, get them some income, right? So if you're making your tea, maybe the very next thing you need to figure out is how to get some clients. Not how to coach better, not how to Instagram better, unless you think that's the path to getting more clients. I had a meeting yesterday with Andrea. Where's Andrea right now? Andrea is like my right-hand person at Changemaker. And... Um, and so, you know, she's, she's running the social now for us. So we're like, okay, let's talk about how we're going to grow our Instagram and our Facebook followers. And, and, and I'm like, but wait, we're going to put this in a bucket. We're going to talk about ways we think we can grow our Instagram and Facebook followers. We're going to come up with our best ideas. And then once we've done that, we're going to ask whether we should do that at all. You know what I mean? And there's got to be criteria for whether, because it's so easy to go, okay, cool, we got great ideas for Facebook, go, spend the next three months on that, and it didn't matter at all. It wouldn't have mattered at all, because we never asked that important question, right? So I think if Facebook or Instagram you feel like is a big opportunity, well, how would you know that? Did you get any of your current clients from Facebook and Instagram? No? Well, maybe it's not the next opportunity for you. Where did they come from? You don't know? Ask them, cool, how do I get more of that? Was it word of mouth? Ask every one of them to tell someone. You know, was it through something you did local? Do another local thing, you know what I mean? So hone in on how do I get to five, or if it's your five now, how do I get to 10? And that's the next thing you need to figure out and learn how to do exquisitely well. And then go out and do that thing. And again, like it's so tempting to be like, okay, I'm gonna run radio ads, I'm gonna put up flyers throughout town, I'm going to do a public workshop or session. I'm going to pay for Facebook. I'm going to start doing some organic posting. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not going to do all those things. And if you tried, you'd do them all spectacularly badly. You know, you'd be way too divided. So, you know, for me, it's like the lowest hanging fruit for the when you're beginning is figure out how you got the clients you have now, and then just double down on that for now because you don't have to go to, you know be a precision nutrition business next. You just have to get 10 if you're at five, and if you're one, you have to get three, you know? That's a, that's a great point. 
And so I, I wanted to ask you with, you know, where, where do you feel things are going? Right? And what I mean by the, where, where things are going, when, when people think right now, and a lot of conversations I have, and maybe you have the same conversations, mm -hmm. they're wondering, right? The, the question becomes, well, I love coaching, but I'm looking at the landscape, and it seems like things are going this way, right? So right. maybe I should be here. What are you hearing? Where, where do you think people are thinking it's going? I, the more conversations I have, the more there is this uh, thought process of, I feel like now the marketplace is somewhere where I don't have to work on, for instance, coaching people one-on-one -on -one as much right. because I can do things in an online space and this will allow me more freedom and right. you know not to be a smoke. And now, you know, there's I have different views on it, but right. you know, I definitely would like to see in your thought process from what you know from the people that you talk to, just in general, if you were like, hey, listen, I, I gotta hedge my bets in Vegas right, right now, you know, yeah, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, I think the big directional shift is move from like specialized trainer coach to uh, we'll call it case manager you know um, so in medicine this is like super well known right if you're uh, trying to navigate the health system with a complex health issue you will get a case manager who will help you figure out the right doctors how to navigate the network how to make appointments so they're like your point person they're like the project manager on your health right and so I'm like, this is where health and fitness is going. It has to go and it is going, right? So, I mean, the alternative is absurd, right? So if, let's say I'm sedentary, you know, 50 pounds overweight, have high blood pressure, back problems, and an unhealthy relationship with food. Right now, the industry asks you to hire a psychologist, counselor, a nutritionist, a physician, personal trainer and a physiotherapist, right? So now we're like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Does it make sense? Like I just wanna like feel less bad. And now I'm running a team of five practitioners. Like you just, you just basically bought a company. That's your health. And you have five people working for you now. That sucks. I'm not willing to do all that work. I guess I'll just die young. You know what I mean? Like, and then can I afford to start this new business? You know, it's absurd. So how can the coaches in our space become a hub or a way to solve some of these things without having to hire five separate practitioners? You know, I mean, when, when, we, when, when I started doing the PN certification, every single personal training organization in the world was like, stay away from that, trainers. It's illegal and it's immoral to talk about nutrition with your clients, right? And um, I don't know, I, I guess I, it was just dumb, you know what I mean? Because we wrote this thing. But I was like, I think, I just think this is gonna be part of the, the requirement eventually. And how many of you know or do FMS? So, okay, I know Gray Cook really well. And one of the advantages I had was Gray Cook was maybe five, eight years before me. And the same exact thing happened. He was told, it's illegal, it's immoral to do what you're doing. Physical therapy organizations were trying to sue him. Um, but he just knew, like, hey, some of this stuff is movement. And if it doesn't exist here, where the hell are they going to get it? Right? The same is true. Eating, food, like, you're not doing medical nutrition therapy, but you should be talking about the basics of nutrition with the people that stand in front of you. Uh, because it's a connected whole. 
So it's really like, what's next? Well, I think sleep and stress management are just gonna be part of the thing, the conversations we need to have as coaches. So now you think about it and you're like, oh wait, I'm, I will become the hub of this network, but it all exists in me until there's a pathology, right? I mean, I worked in elite sport for a long time, and so you know, I'm, I'm there to do nutrition and some physiological testing, uh, but I can't help them at all if they're not sleeping. You know what I mean? Like, what impact am I gonna have? Minimal, right? So I'll talk about sleep until there's a pathology and then I'll refer them to the sleep specialist. But for most people, it's not a pathological issue. It's just a, you know, a sleep a routine, right? It's a little yeah. lifestyle issue. And hey, that's what I do. I'm the lifestyle architect, right? So uh, for me, that's the future, right? It's sort of collecting the skill set, right? And again, this can be on your T somewhere, right? It could be the sort of vertical or the horizontal, any one of these niches, right? But see, here's where all the coaches are gonna go, oh, that's great, we already said I need to really double down on stress management. But I'm like, wait, put that in a tournament against business skill or whatever you need to be successful in the next phase, right? Future you. Maybe sleep and stress management's on there, but is that the log that's causing the log jam right now for the success of future you? It may or may not be, and I use a nutrition example often here. Young female athlete comes in, you know, endurance athlete, really struggling, feeling lethargic lately, performances are going down, what's going on? Tell me about their training, tell me about their sleep, tell me about their nutrition, I decide to stop eating red meat. Okay, cool, I already got a hypothesis, all right? Now maybe we have like an iron deficiency anemia, you know, blood delivery, oxygen delivery is an issue, right? So am I gonna overhaul their training, their whole diet, their sleep, and their stress management, or am I gonna give them an iron pill? The iron's the limiting factor, it's the log that's causing the log jam. So you have to think about your career that way. What's the log that's causing the log jam? What's the lack of knowledge? And maybe there's not even a lack of knowledge log right now. Maybe there's a lack of action log. And you don't have to take a course for that, you know? So that's, that's what I think. So anyway, uh, this is just a caution. Like, I think the future is going this direction of this sort of case manager. But before you go get all knowledgeed up, what's in the way right now from getting to 10 clients? You know, is it not knowing enough about the stress response to lifestyle challenges? Or is it something else, you know? Great. Well, I actually love that you brought it into that direction. I'm not going to stick on that too much because I actually want to ask you some other things, but this whole putting together the puzzle piece, mm -hmm. right? Because all our clients actually was uh, just at, we just had Joel's seminar and there was somebody that's an online sleep coach that's yeah. it's becoming more and more yeah. a prevalent where people are literally seeking out coaches just to help them get better sleep mm -hmm. so much better. Um, we'll help them obviously their, their transformation, but that's awesome. That's so, that's so great. I have a friend who's, uh, a sleep specialist at UCLA, and she works at the VA in, in Los Angeles, and I've been trying to convince her for years. I'm like, I, I know how to write the curriculum that can bring what you do everywhere. She's like, oh, what about pathologies and all this stuff? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, those people need extra help too. But all the non-pathological people, among them, there's sleep issues too, right? And so I know how to break this down. We need to partner on this, you know? And, and, and I feel like that's the, you know, when you bring that up, what are the different things that you can do to help somebody without going like it's a pathology and I need to send it out? Like learn those skill set because you become so much more valuable. Mm -hmm. But with that said, right, if you're in a certain space where you're like, well, in the next year, if I don't 
you know, make more income, I'm going to be out of the industry. Yeah. That, that might not be the most important thing for you. That's exactly and right. Figuring that out. Um, with, with that, I wanted to lead to, because this is one, you know, one of the things I really respected about PN and you is how you guys have built the team. And I know everybody at some point in time, you're going to be a part of a team. Yeah. Um, how many I, people have a team right now? At least one or more other people. Who, so it's a lot. Okay. And how, how many of you are a part of a team? Right, so over half of you put it together. And I, I'll say that if, if things change so much, I, I know for me, moving up, like being solo, when you go, you know, I'm hard-headed, I can do anything, I can overcome yeah. stuff, yeah. and you do. And then you think that like once you build a team, all right, guys, that's how we're gonna do things. Yeah, and that's right. that doesn't work. And then you wanna hire a bunch of yous. And yeah, that was a that, disaster. That was a task for me, absolutely. It's <laughs> uh, so only one of you, Luca, only one. Uh, it's probably better that way anyway. Um, and, and, and so that has been, like, that is another conversation that continues to come up where actually there is success and there's such a big change and such a big difference when you go from even one to two, let alone three, four, and this whole ecosystem of emotions and goals and dreams and fears that essentially have to be managed in some way, yeah. right? To, yeah. to all align to this one common pursuit and one goal. Like, how, you know, and now you've gone through like, probably making a lot of mistakes too and got to yeah. a place where you're like, you know what, this is, I, I feel is the principles of the best way to get that done, to do that. Yeah, yeah, so I'll talk, I, I'll talk about PN, I mean, when, so, you know, for, you know this, but not everyone does, so in December 2017, I sold my majority ownership of, of PN, so now it's under other ownership now, but, you know, when I left, we were 130-ish people, it's probably 160, 170 now, um, so we learned some things along the way. You know, and I think, um, I like Mark's talk yesterday a lot because I think he, he covered a bunch of things and I, I'll even get very tactical on some of them. Um, you know, the, the interview, like step one, the interview process is the least important, important part of our, our hiring. I like the questions Mark's asked, all those things are great. You know, but for me, what we, what we put a lot more stock in is uh, what we'll call like personality or character assessments. So we have uh, one that we do for all hires and all team members called the caliper assessment. So it tells you like essentially who that person is on a number of critical domains. Um, the, another one we use is Colby assessment. So we, it's pr primarily these two. And the idea is we kind of know already what kind of person we're looking for and we know what the role might require. And so then we do these assessments and then we see if that's a good fit. So this is what we would call like our culture, culture fit. And then it delves slightly into role fit, but only as that relates to the team around them, right? Caliper, we actually learned about from the Toronto Raptors. So I had read about how the Raptors were using this to screen draft picks. And so obviously at that level, skill's high, right? Yeah. Um, so it was more how will this person fit into the team and what we need, the role that we want them to play. Right, so you can look at basketball stats, you can hear about their you know, social and media history or whatever, but you don't know who they are as a human being until you do some of these assessments. So we're like, this is pretty interesting, let's see how that works for us. So we did it on ourselves, and we're like, this is pretty accurate. Like the, the guy from Caliper would, called me up the first time I took it, and he's telling me how I'm going to behave in various scenarios based on the answers to like a question like, you know, when you're stressed, you X, Y, or Z, right? And he's telling me stuff that like only my wife would know and maybe some stuff my wife doesn't even know, <laughs> you know what I mean? 
And so I was like, this is pretty great. So we started using those. So, so we'll call them like culture and like fit in the team things. And then the other thing we just finally landed on was how will we know if someone will do a good job? You have them do the job. You know what I mean? So we have people do test projects. Okay, I was just about to ask you that. I mean, for a gym owner, that would be equivalent. We do internships before yep. anybody ever like starts coaching. Is yeah. it like something in that manner? What absolutely. Gonna, yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. So whatever the work is that they're going to do, we have them do it. If there's a project going on that they can slot into now, we do that. If we have to make one up just to see, you know, if it's going to be a new web developer, we have them develop some web pages for us. You know, if it's going to be someone who's a coach, we have them, we have a bit of a pipeline for that. So we have them go through our coaching certs and then be a mentor and then be an intern. So that's like a very formalized process. We had to do that because like that's what everyone wants to do at PN. Like whenever we, if we could just put out a cold call for applications today, we have a thousand by tomorrow. You know, so you can't screen them all. So then we, now we have a pipeline for that. You know, if someone's going to be, I don't know, work in finance, we have them do a bunch of things that would be exactly what they would do for finance for us. So why are we going to guess, you know? And that assessment process is actually looking at the quality of their work, but also how are they? You know, are they cool to work with? Also, we give them a chance to see if they're going to like the work at PN. You know what I mean? It's not just all about me. Like, I don't care if you like it or not. Are you good? No, it's like, give them a chance to see if it's a good fit as well. So it's, you know, personality screenings, you know, actually doing the work. And then when we finally are interested in interviews is to explore the work and the personality screens. You know what I mean? I have now data that I, the questions I can ask them. Hey, I saw in your caliper, it showed that you're X, really high in X, but really low in Y. How's like, and then it goes to like, if Mark Fisher's here, it goes to his question. Tell me a time when, tell me about a time when. So now I don't have to invent scenarios, tell me about a time when you had a conflict with your whatever manager. Now I can ask about the thing that Caliper would show me would suggest that they would have difficulty or success with. You know what I mean? And so that's, and that's, how, that's how we do hiring now. And the interesting thing is people generally don't even get a chance to practice the work if they don't pass the culture fit because culture is way more important to us. Now what about, it, for instance, because there's a culture fit test, but what about feedback from everyone mm -hmm. from I mean obviously in our case it would be clients as well but from your team your coaches right is that something that is, is I would say high up on a value scale when you come to deciding that too or is it more like what well, we do because we're bigger and it's more automated like we just go through that process and if they can do the task well then right 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 yeah oh yeah completely like if someone slots into a team to do some work right and we look at the quality we're like, were they, you know, then you ask the people who worked with them, you know, rate this person on a scale of zero to 10, you know, would you work with them again? The domains that are really crucial to the role. And then part of this means, and like, you know me really well, not, maybe not a lot of the people in the audience do, like, I spend a lot of time up front thinking about what is important, uh, what does this really mean, be really, really, really clear. Like, he knows I spent two years writing this book because I'm like, I want to share the things I think I know after 30 years in this field. It's actually hard to figure out what you think you know. Like, you know what I mean? You have a collection of stories and lessons, but you're not really sure if they were the, the ones that really mattered, right? So same here, like you have to begin with, how will I know if I'm asking the right questions of these people? How will I know, right? So we sit down and like, it takes a while to figure out a role description for a, a hire, right? 
So, and it takes probably five people at, at PN to sit down and go, hey, we want to hire for this particular role. It's on the technology team. It's on the coaching team. It's on the platform team. It's on the product team. It's on the marketing team, whatever. And we go, okay, what does this person really need to do? Like, really, really need to do? First draft is always shit. It's terrible, right? Surface level things. It's the stuff from job descriptions you've read historically. It's just, it, basically, your first thing is copying things. That's what everyone does, including me. So then you go, okay, wait, that can't be good enough. Let me reality test this. All right, let me get a couple other eyes on this from other people. Well, what about, and then we start asking people at other companies, like, hey, you have this role. What is it exactly does that person do? Okay, how much of that do they do? So we can get a really, really clear job description, and then it's much easier to hire against that than something vague. You're gonna do marketing. What's that mean? I don't know, you're gonna try and get eyeballs. What's that mean? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So, then you can caliper, then you can work test, then you can ask the people who worked with the person, okay, here's our hiring criteria, like here's what this person will eventually have to do. How confident do you think they can do one? How confident do you think they can do two? And on down the list, right? We take pretty long to hire, you know? Uh, when our new owners came on, they were like, why do you take so long to hire? You know, we're like, because we care, because we want the people to be great. And we don't have to hire someone else in six months or a year or bring someone in who's actually great at their job and poisons the whole culture of the company. Now to piggyback on that, because obviously that's gonna help you with somebody not only being engaged in their work, doing good work, you know, staying for a longer period of time, but one of the things that I also hear a lot, and even from my own personal experience, I'm always looking at how can I help, you know, my team, my coaches, you know, get to where they want to go. So yeah. I feel like the, the T-shaped curve is great yeah. for, for, for your team as well. Yeah. But As is the unique ability thing, because we, we, when we started doing that, we started doing it with every team member. And what we found sometimes is that there are people working at PN who love our values, who love our culture, who love being affiliated with us, and who are doing a job that they don't like that much when they wake up in the morning. You know what I mean? And they're putting up with it because they're like, I just love it here. I love being around this, these high quality people and the experience that they give me and all these things but I'm not fired up to do my work, you know? And when they reach that discovery, we've probably already realized it. You know what I mean? Their, their leadership team already has. And the unique abilities process gives us a common language that we can talk about it with. It's not because you suck. It's not because we suck. It's because you're not working in your unique abilities, right? So when we started doing that, it actually meant some people had to transition into other roles or out of the company. It's not, again, it's not because they're doing a poor job or they're missing 3% of the time. It's because we want them to work in a place where they feel great joy, great competency, and a big future. You know what I mean? Where they feel like they're making a difference. And so that's why you know, the hiring process is designed to screen people in who are gonna freaking love it here. You know? And who are gonna give us their best. And who are gonna get their best in return. And um, it makes it a fun place to be. Right? When you, you got people working in their unique abilities, in their values and purpose, have been screened to be able to fit in. Like, what better is there if you have to work in this world? What, would you, like, where, what else would you like to feel and do? Right? So that stuff is like, again, this isn't just thought exercises, so you can be a better whatever, thinker, person. It's, a, it's, a, it's so that you can actually get what too few of the people in the world get, which is meaningful work, where they get to express their unique abilities with people they respect and admire and value, and they get to do that every single day when they wake up. 
Now, now, what if you find out that they're not a fit? Because I, I see this so much where, you know, you have a position and you already think about, and, and that person may not be a good fit, whether it's mm -hmm. their unique abilities, they're not working in them, yeah. right? But for you, you're like, oh, shit. If they leave, yeah. right, you already start thinking about everything that's going to have to happen that you have right. to do or whatever, and so you leave them there, right? Yeah. And you kind of disengage and disconnect a little bit because you're like, true, yeah, right? that's what happens. And, and if you do that, I mean, Really, I, I want to ask you, because you've probably experienced this, I certainly have the repercussions of it, right? Yes. Because we think that maybe if I do it for a little bit longer, um, and that might be for you guys, a coach, a manager, or, you know, whatever else it may be, maybe it's, it's you in a certain role. Like, what ends up happening for each of those people if they don't deal with it? Right. Right? Because right. that, that's, that's a tough situation. I mean, I've been, I've been it makes before. your life terrible. It makes everyone's life terrible. Like, uh, I think as a leader, you think, like, you're gonna break their heart and it's gonna be a surprise. Well, if I have to let this person go, they're gonna be shocked and it's gonna be a trap. Like, they know already, you know what I mean? Who said it yesterday, like, uh, I forget who said it, but you're in a relationship and so, I'm so, I'm so shocked he broke up with me, whatever. Like, wait, we hate each other. We haven't had sex in two years, maybe Mark said it. Uh, that is, <laughs> who, who, who's, who said it? I think it was, I think, yeah. <laughs> I was like, hold up, you guys have that six and two years? Yeah, yeah. So, it's done. No, no, no. They, they're getting it on way more often. Yeah. Um, so it's never a surprise, right? So that, I mean, that's the biggest barrier. This is going to be really uncomfortable. I'm going to let this person down and uh, I might have to find someone else to do the work. Uh, 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 I'm not going to do it. It's terrible because, I mean, here, here's what ends up happening. You end up saying their name too often. That's like the functional repercussion of it. You end up talking about them all the freaking time. You know what I mean? I want to be talking about the new content. I want to be talking about the new marketing. But I'm talking about Luca again. Mm -hmm. Like you, get, you know what I mean? Like I, I see heads nodding. Some yeah, people have been talking this is the on the ground time. experience. We can talk <laughs> yeah. about it high and lofty, but you end up talking about the same person over and over again. I'm like, if I have to talk about this person five times, we need to sunset that relationship. You know what I mean? Like, that's probably that's a great, I would say, life tip as well. Not just yeah. just a business team thing. I think completely yes. And uh, there's been one time in the history of PM where I said, this person brings so much to the table, let's try another role for them within the company first. And it, uh, we did that, and it worked out. And it worked, like, I would say nine times out of 10, that wouldn't. Okay. But this was a good culture fit, a good values fit. She was just in the wrong role. She's like, she, she's one of my best friends now. She's my little sister now. She lives down in Arizona. When we go down and spend the winter there, we hang out all the time. Um, that was, the, that was the one case where we were talking about a person too much, but it was only because it was a bad fit for role. But her soul was in the right place. Like, she needed to be at PN, and she's crushing now what she's doing, you know? Um, a thing that, like, you know, as far as career goes, because bringing it back to that there's a, a diverse group of people in the room from people that want to do online coaching to spin trainers for a while, to gym owners, you know, this whole just career mindset in the fitness industry. Because it is, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I know just from the financial side, uh, I have a lot of these conversations, right? How, everything from investing to like, do I retire? Where do I right. go from here? I mean, we were talking a little bit about yeah. that you knew one, uh, you know, like just one, one trainer. One, out of this one trainer time. who's been it, at it for 30 years. Still training clients. 
doing the same thing, loving life, built a good business training people. I, some, maybe someone in the room might be that person too, but I can only think of one off the top of my head. This guy's just a career trainer. And so, for, for, because as you start, like you're not gonna see, it's almost like, you know, you go to PK, you see PB, you go to PB, you see PC. You know, how to navigate that. Like, if you, if you were mentoring somebody today, yeah. and, and you know, and then maybe they're in a space where they're like, well, I've been doing this for a while, you know, where do I go from here, mm -hmm. right? It, because, and you maybe have been successful in, in, a, in a certain space, but it's like, what is, what is the career path for a coach long-term, right? right? Well, we know in, in companies, even though it's changing now where people are switching jobs a lot more, but, you know, it's like, well, I'm gonna go and work and try to save and retire, but mm -hmm. that, for, for an average person, uh, I would say coach in the industry, that's really not, uh, right. most people actually don't talk about it, try to really stay away from it. Right. Like, but what are your thoughts on that? Because that's a discussion that comes up a lot, and I know yeah. there's people here that have been here for, for, for a long yeah. time. Well, the place I would start, if someone was sitting in front of me and we were talking about it, would be, okay, I'm going to assume that coaching isn't the right fit for you. Now, that's not necessarily going to turn out to be true, but that's where I'm going to assume because way too many people are just doing the path, the established path. It's like the Microsoft woman. You know, she was just like, okay, cool, I wanna be in health and fitness, coaching is all I can do, you know? And so I'm just gonna assume everyone's like that. You're, you're coaching, I mean, there are meaningful moments in it, but I'm gonna assume it doesn't match your unique abilities. And I'm gonna assume that so we can test the hypothesis, you know what I mean? If we falsify that, I'm a scientist, right? So if we falsify that hypothesis, this is what you're trying to do. You make a hypothesis and a research experiment is designed to prove that guess false. And if you prove it true, you found a significant finding, right? So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start and be like, Luca, you're in the, you're in the wrong business. Your unique abilities don't work for what you're doing in your day to day. And you wake up in the morning, you're doing something that's not your unique abilities, okay? And if we prove that wrong, then great, you're in the right spot, you don't have to do much, we can talk about the career path for that. But most times I'm gonna prove that right. And then we have to talk about what other avenues you could be in, right? Like, uh, Jay, is Jay back there? Yeah, I, I'm sorry man, I see the shine off your forehead. <laughs> That's what I can tell. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> um, like, how many people do you coach nowadays? Yeah. Yeah, and a no value judgment, you prove my point. Like, so he didn't coach anyone. So what's he doing? He's podcasting, he's creating content. That's like a real use for this, this emergent, unique ability of his, right? He talked about how it wasn't at one point, but now, whoa, look at this thing, he's really good at this, right? So can you make a career talking into a microphone and talking to other people? That's a, that's a legitimate avenue in health and fitness to have a career, you know what I mean? Is it as a writer? It could be a coach. It could be working front office of a gym chain, you know what I mean? It could be a health coach. It could be working for a nutrition company. It could be working for a wearable health technology company. There's so many things. So before we rush into, coach, here's how you have a successful career. I'm gonna say there's loads of paths that you're not even thinking about. So let's start there. Let's think about the paths, you know? And then we can talk about maybe where, which way we go from there. Now, if coaching is the path, right, then we can talk about like probably, uh, I don't know, I see two things forking out from that, right? One is you go work at a place that treats employees super well, that gives them a, a career plan, you know what I mean? Gives trainers and coaches a career plan. 
And there are places like that. You know, be good enough to get those jobs. If you don't want to be an entrepreneur, like train your skills, like Cosgrove was talking about. Like I love that story of just bam, 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 bam. It took me really long, but I did it for free, and now I'm going to be. And I look at the guy. You know, he's been wildly successful. Um, the other is entrepreneurship. Then, you know what I mean. And that's why I, I'm like, I'm not anti-entrepreneurship. I'm just like, that's all anyone's glorifying as a way to make a career nowadays. Well, you got to start your own thing. That's where the real money's at. How many people started their own thing in here and haven't quite found the real money yet? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It's not to say it's not going to come, but it's just to say, like, sometimes that's just an escape from the devil you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so I don't know if that's a satisfying answer because I think it's so contingent upon the, the person, their unique abilities and whatnot, but um, I think it's where it all has to begin. No, but it creates some insight. You know, you mentioned one thing, and it, it's uh, one of the podcasts they talked about, it, this was kind of like the, the big picture. Hey, there's two things, asked, I can't remember which podcast it was, but if there's two things that you could share with people that you found the most profound. We shared a number of different things, but these two stuck out at me. And maybe you can add something to this. I don't know. Sure, In the sure. meantime, maybe there's something. You're like, you know what? There's one, one other thing. Uh, but you talked about number one was transitions. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so powerful. Um, mm -hmm. And to just share it with, with everybody yeah. what you yeah. mean by that. And, and, and the second one was, you know, what you just mentioned with Alan, which is the time part. You know, right. Well, how much time people think it'll take and how much it actually takes. Yeah. And if you have any other one to add to that, but I really wanted to bring those sure. two up because they're so powerful. So I'll start with the time one because this is a, this was like the sound of the far off gong one, you know what I mean? Kind of a thing for me. But there's this uh, this Zen uh, cone, which is like a parable. Um, it's called Ban The Taste of Banzo Sword. Is anyone familiar with it? No? Okay, good. So I won't... Ah, he's using that as, you know, that old comb. <laughs> um, but uh, but it basically there's this um, there's this uh, young man, Matajuro, who uh, his dad's a famous swordsman, and he wants to become one himself. So he's like, Dad, train me, right? And his dad's like, You don't have what it takes. No, you know. So then he goes and he wants to. He there's this guy Banzo who lives at the top of this mountain. He's a, he's the greatest swordsman in the land. So he goes. He wants to learn from some ban from uh, Banzo. So he. Uh, climbs up the mountain, he goes up there, he's like, I want to be a master swordsman myself, will you train me, right? And the guy's like, well, your father's a swordsman, why, why didn't he train you? He said he didn't have, I, I don't have what it takes, but he doesn't know, um, you know, I'll do anything, right? I'll do anything to become a master swordsman. And he's like, okay, humoring the kid, right? So he's like, all right, so um, if you devote yourself to this craft, it's gonna take seven years, right? He's like, seven years? No, no, you don't understand. Like, I will do anything. I'll work twice as hard as any other student you've ever had. He's like, oh, well then it's gonna take 20 years. <laughs> He's like, I don't understand, right? Like, uh, I, I'll, I'll work for you day and night. And he's like, 70 years then. And he's like, uh, you're thinking that the old guy's crazy. And then he's like, uh, you know, Banzo's like, um, you know, people in such a hurry seldom get the result that they want, right? And I think it's, I mean, the first thing to do so that sinks in is think about your clients. You know what I mean? Like how many of you have had the clients who are like, I need the result, right? So this is a great story for them, but mostly I share it for you. 
because the things that drive you crazy about your clients, you probably do them when it comes to your business. You know, they're like, oh, these stupid clients, and we have a good chuckle at them, you know, <laughs> and their impatience and all their little foibles and how they look at changing their body and their lives. And you're doing the same thing in your business. One of my favorite exercises is when we see our clients doing things that are embarrassing or laughable or annoy us, uh, before we rush into that space, go, where am I doing that in my life? Or am I doing that exact same thing, not in fitness, but in the other areas, right? And one, it helps you to be way more em empathic with your clients, but two, it helps you find your blind spots, right? Because I think subconsciously we're really laughing and chafing against the things that they're doing because they're the, the things that we struggle with, but we can twist that discomfort into superiority when we go, oh, but I've got it figured out in fitness, so what's wrong with you, right? So that's, that's that first one that I think is so important. Like we often um, overestimate how hard things are gonna be and underestimate how long they're gonna take. You know, and I think that's the, the banjo sword story, right? It is not gonna be, none of this is gonna be as hard as you think. It's just gonna take way longer, which is a different kind of hard, you know? And then the other one that you mentioned is transitions. I mean, I, I think about this often. I think we see it first in little children. They're really bad at transitions, right? Getting them from home to school, from school to home, right? From one activity to the next. How many have kids? Okay, right? Your little kids are often bad at transitions, aren't they? They have a freak out, they have a temper tantrum when it goes from this activity to the next activity, right? Um, but I don't think that ever stops unless, unless we're given skills and then practice at getting good at transitions. So for me, like, here's a simple example, but I think we have big and small, so micro and macro transitions. Like a micro one is uh, if I'm working in my office and I know the kids are coming home at 3.30, right? Uh, if I work right up to 3.29 and they come in, it's not a good next hour for us. Right? Because I'm still in daddy work, conquer the universe, create, get out of my way kind of mode, right? Um, so I need to find some way to transition from that guy to the other guy, right? And it usually takes 15, 20 minutes. I know some people like a commute because that's a transition, right? It allows them to change from that person into the next person. So I just, I, I often ask my coaching clients to be super mindful about the transitions in their life, you know? When are you having small and big transitions? Well, a big transition would be a career change, you know what I mean? A small one would be going from work to home, home to work, you know? Uh, from being with the kids to being with your partner, you know what I mean? That's a, another kind of transition. It requires a different kind of you, a different kind of energy. So being really mindful about who you are in these situations, what the best you to be in those situations is. Another transition at work might be you're in a strategic planning session and you leave that session and now you have to do management work, right? That's one's really hard for me because I'm like, yeah, we're dreaming of the future and then I work out and someone wrote the copy wrong, you know? And then part of me is like annoyed and then part of me is like, don't you get what we're trying to achieve here? And then the other part of me is like, um, we should rethink our whole copywriting strategy. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
I mean, this person just needed to get the, that sentence right. You know what I mean? So you didn't transition right. So I think it's just a super crucial part of life that almost no one talks about and I think is important. Uh, the last thing, I mean, I could talk to you for forever, but hopefully you guys can listen for forever too. But I, where do you, where do you go, what do you do, you know, these days to, one, learn, two, be inspired? And I know that's kind of like one yeah. of those questions, but reality is I know, I know even to this day, and I would go to events like this, I'd, I'd yeah. get fired up. Uh, yeah. You know, may, maybe, I, I'm glad we talked about direction because direction is important once yeah. you have some, some of that yeah. fuel, but you know, what is that for you these days? Yeah, well, so the first part is great, right? I think it's really important to know why you're here, right? Are you here for education or are you here for inspiration? Are you here to connect with your people or are you here to learn something that you can imply, uh, like apply in your business? I think it's super important. Before you sign up with a seminar, tell, figure out what that reason is, right? Because if you come here for education, but it's really inspiration, uh, then you may not quite leave satisfied. You know what I mean? And if you need education right now, but you come here uh, with the face-saving maneuver that you're here for continuing education credits or something, but you really just needed inspiration, you know what I mean? So I think it's really important. What am I doing this for? Right, so that's part one. And then for me, education's really changed a lot. You know, I mean, I used to come to events. I used to, uh, you know, read journals and read articles and, you know, watch videos and listen to podcasts and stuff like that. But I got to a place in my career where I was like, I don't, I don't know how much more I'm going to learn this way, right? So for me, learning took on a whole new, whole new thing. The first thing I learned from the controversial figure in strength and conditioning, but the late Charles Poliquin, right? And he. Uh, wasn't always the greatest guy to everyone, but he was always great to me. Um, and he taught me this thing he called the brain-picking feat, right? He's like, why would I read a book on a particular topic when I could probably call that expert, give him 100 bucks for an hour, and ask him any question I want about that topic? He's like, that's pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to start doing that, right? So you want to be a little bit prepared. You, know, you want to know what their work is, you want to know what they're interested in, but you don't have to read the whole book on it, right? It's just a great way to save time and energy and build a relationship, right? Because not a relationship with that person. And nine times out of 10, that person I wanted to learn something from worked at a public institution like a university, right? If I offered them 50 bucks for an hour, they'd be like, woohoo, I, I don't get much money. And then after a great conversation, they never charged me in the first place. You know what I mean? So that, that was my first iteration of like a different kind of education. Um, and then the next thing I started doing more of was what I what I call it like stalking, right? So uh, what I would do is just I'd pick three people or businesses to follow every year. So one was a business bigger than mine, one was about the same size, and then one was a person who was just crushing it. And I'd sign up for their newsletter, and buy their products, and I would do everything they told me. You know how sometimes you complain about email? I get too many emails from that company. Right? Maybe you even thought that about precision nutrition. Sorry about that. Um, but for me, I want a lot of emails from these three companies. And I want to do every single thing they ask. So a few years ago, John Goodman from Personal Trainer Development Center was my person. Because he was running a business slightly smaller, um, and, but he's really innovative. And so I just decided to follow him. So one day, I didn't know him that well, he emails me and he's like, how come in my you know, list management software, you open more emails than anyone else on my list 
and click the links in my emails more than anyone else on my list. So the, for those of you who have client management software, you know what this means, right? Like, I, I, my name was number one on every one of those metrics. And I'm like, because I do this thing, because I pick three businesses or companies, and I follow them, and I buy everything. So, and you're like, oh man, I don't know about buying everything, though. And it's like, yeah, but wait, like if you would have spent $1,000 for a course, that's probably all I'm spending in that year on their stuff. So it's like buying a course, but now I get to see not what they tell me they're gonna do, not how they tell me they might market, how they're marketing, you know what I mean? Everything they're doing, this is like business school 101, on the ground, immersive mentorship, if you wanna call it that, right? I mean, we have coaches at PN who still um, are like, uh, like don't read the emails and are trying to run a coaching business. I'm like, why aren't you reading everything we put out and trying to do that in your niche, right? Um, and then, then the third one became the creation of new knowledge, right? I'm like, I can learn by creating new things, that questions that people haven't answered before. That's like one of my favorite ways. Like we have a big PN community. Our newsletter list is almost a million people now. So if I were to email that list and say, hey, uh, we're doing a little experiment. I got a really important question I want to answer that I didn't see anyone answer yet. How many of you would be willing to take this thing and measure your P or do whatever the question may be? Do these surveys for me. Uh, and so then we start creating new knowledge as a way to learn. So those are my three ways of continuing education at this point in my career, right? They might not be for everybody, um, but I think if you start, if you're younger in your careers, think about how you might include some of these things in, to your learning plan. That's powerful. Uh, I'm gonna do, I hate doing like closing thoughts, but Closing thoughts from a standpoint of what do you feel that, you know, anybody that's going to go from this event would be like that one thing that you're like, hey, listen, like if you could scratch everything else, what, what would you think it's like a person that goes mm -hmm. in the next 24 hours and does and it's, yeah. it's really going to actually make, you know, make something happen and move the dial? I'm going to say the opposite thing that everyone else says, which everyone else says action. You got to leave here and you got to take action, right? I don't know. I think maybe you should think a little bit, you know? <laughs> um, and what I mean specifically is not delay, not wait, not um, confuse fear or indecisiveness with thoughtfulness, but I think we all need every day a breath. I think we need to get to a place of like thoughtful clarity and that's when we need to decide what to act on. And if you do it before you do that, it will be your scrambled, confused, anxiety-ridden, high epinephrine, norepinephrine, neurochemicals charged actions. And those aren't the ones that create meaningful things. You know, I loved Alan's talk. You know, I come from an immigrant family. One thing that I sometimes take issue with the hard work ethos is that I grew up around hard work. I grew up around people working way harder than most of the people who are telling you work hard. And they didn't get shit. Hard work is not enough. It just simply isn't. These people were living at poverty level, and they were working three jobs, round the clock. They didn't see their kids. This is the people I was around, immigrants, you know? And so, at heart, the hard work ethic is missing something. And I think it's missing thoughtfulness, you know, and it's missing good decisions on how you're going to apply that ethic. You're going to need to work hard then, you know what I mean? 
But before you focus that energy, you gotta decide where it's gonna go, make a good choice for the direction that it could build success. Because if you're gonna work that hard anyway, you might as well get the rewards from it. Yeah. I think you I couldn't I think you couldn't end on a better note. Thank you. JB, thank you, my friend. Phenomenal. I wish I could talk to you for a